Okay, hello and welcome to the Into the Desert podcast, where we talk to inspiring people and hear their stories of motivation, courage, drive, productivity, and how their environment dictated their performance. Today, we're lucky enough to have Jenny Devonshire on the podcast. Jenny is the founder of Pause to Perform, a corporate wellness solution designed to optimize employees' mental and physical health and boost their performance. A personal trainer, Pilates instructor, yoga teacher, and now Jenny is training to become a sports and exercise psychologist. Jenny believes in a holistic approach to employee well-being. Jenny, it's great to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your business to start with? So pause to perform. I've briefly gone over it then, but it'd be great to hear a bit more about what you do. Yeah, so I started the company. So basically, I originally, when I after finishing uni, I did psychology. And then I went and I got a job in insurance, just because first job I got in London, basically. And I basically hated it. <laughs> um, I hated the culture of it. It was very much around like boozing everyone, you know, all this. I worked in a insurance brokers and it was there, very much drinking. Then coming in the next day, they had like their red ambulance with their full fat Coke to recover and obviously beige food. And everyone thought I was really weird because I went to the gym quite a lot and I ate healthy food. And anyway, so then I um, got, I started doing my personal training qualification because I was like, right, well, this is my passion. I love fitness. Um, I wanted to do more with psychology, but at the time I was I couldn't handle any more exams and things because the whole thing was very stressful. And so, yeah, so when I did my personal training qualification and then I actually didn't initially go into it because that's when I started getting imposter syndrome, which I've had for quite a long time now. So I got another job as a PA, which again, I hated. And then it was eventually, it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I hate, I felt trapped. I, the office environment just wasn't for me. And also I was either had peaks or troughs. So I was either like super, super busy, crazy busy, staying really late, or I was nothing to do. And I hate being bored. <laughs> and also because I was working as like an executive assistant, I didn't really have that much autonomy over my work. It was very much just told what to do. And again, it just didn't suit my personality. So I finally like took the plunge and went and started working as a personal trainer. And then this is where like my imposter syndrome continued. <laughs> and I kept on being like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So it, it led me to do lots of courses. Um, I was working with loads of people with lower back pain because I worked with a lot of people who worked. <laughs> and um, so I decided to do my Pilates qualification. And then from there, I did my yoga and then various lots of different other courses. <laughs> and this is when it was like, then I sort of, decided to go and do more psychology and did my sports psychology masters with the view to do like performance. But then I also thought like, so the pause to perform, it's really to fill that hole. Cause I feel like a lot of companies think that they do like something like a token gesture, like a yoga class a week or a fitness class a week, but it's really not helping the employees. Like A, do they really want that? Is that what they need? And I felt like they're just employees, like, well, employees deserve more from their employers. Like, you know, there's the impact of work on people's health. So it's like, in, I think it's in America, the Gallup did a survey. And it's like one in 6.8 employees experience mental health problems um, that can disrupt their ability to work. 
and this poor mental health costs employers or the economy like 45 billion a year which is quite a lot of money and um, so musculoskeletal problems so like neck problems lower back problems all the things that are associated with sitting at a desk all day that a cost like well that's 29 percent of all um sort of time taken off work is due to that and this can also cost like 10.7 billion pound a year. So, I mean, it's something that really does need to be addressed for both sides. So the employer benefits and the employees. And so I really wanted to basically create something that actually worked <laughs> and um, rather than like a tick box exercise. And um, so we can, can like we provide one like big package that's got like this psychoeducation phase. So you're like educating people about what to do and also helping them actually implement it um, by like motivational interviewing and basically just making sure that all aspects of their well-being are taken care of. So it's like a holistic approach rather than like just the physical mm -hmm. because the mental is really important as well. That's really interesting. Wow, well, you found a really uh, quite a niche space there, but something that <laughs> almost everyone in the corporate world really can resonate with, right? So yeah. So what I'm hearing there is that you obviously went through it yourself. You, you went into the classic corporate environment in London, which is probably you know, one of the places where it's most stressful. You get wrapped up in the city life and then you forget yeah. to look after yourself. Right? Is that what you were seeing? You were seeing people put work first rather than themselves. And that's what you're trying to work against. Yes. Yes, so much. I mean, people like not taking lunch breaks, not going outside people staying late when they're not even like because they've actually got work to do but like because everyone else is staying late so they couldn't be the first to leave um drinking lots not exercising and like just super stressed as well and obviously stress is so detrimental to the body and yeah like just overworking burnout and generally not eating well eating loads of crisps and like chocolate anything to like get through the day maybe just using coffee like just to function and I was just like, for me, like your health is the most important commodity you have. Once it's gone, like, you know, people spend lots of money trying to regain their health, whereas actually you want to start looking after it from a young age so that you can like feel good. And like, because for me, I like I have energy, my body feels really good. And I know people of the similar age have got like aches and pains. They're always tired. And I just like it's life's too short to be like that and you know anything you can do to feel good i think is really important and a good investment in yourself absolutely and it really resonates with you know what we do because one of the things we look at in in all of our environments that we design is ergonomics and how you sit and especially with the, the day and age we're in now with phones and, and laptops we oh. we do tend to hunch forward don't we so that's another mm -hmm. element i guess where people are not looking after themselves now and, and then when they, when they come to look at it in 20, 30 years times and they understand that, you know, they should have invested in themselves at the time. And actually, yes, they can invest in the environment, but also the understanding and the knowledge that you can give them of mm -hmm. what is impacting them. That, that's so important yeah. and so valuable. So it's, I guess that, that getting that across to people now is, is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think in sort of 10, 20 years time, we'll see more people like with hunchbacks because you've got this forward head posture and like rounded shoulders you yeah. see it from everyone and that's just going to get worse and worse as people get older and you know my friends at pilates instructor and she was saying well at least it'll keep us in business for a long time but i don't want to be in that business i want people to like you know, feel good 
and also like your physiology actually affects your psychology so if you're sitting like this you instantly don't feel as energized you can't breathe as well because you're like your lungs can't go to full capacity even just like sitting up tall you feel more confident you have more energy so it's really important for like every aspect of your health just to to learn to sort of undo all of the things that we're doing to ourselves with modern technology so it can be good but it does definitely has its drawbacks yeah, and, and some of the facts and, and statistics that you, you had there as well is so interesting. So what you're saying as well in, in the corporate world is that this is having a massive impact on the bottom line because people are going oh, off sick and they're also less productive, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you lost productivity. And another key aspect to it, to it is, that, um, is how the employees feel cared for. So they found that people who feel cared for by, like, well, they think their employers care about their well-being, are 69% less likely to look for another job, which is really important now where people are like having problems kind of retaining staff. And they're also 71% less likely to um, report feelings of burnout. So again, like the, think about the lost days you're getting from like stress, burnout, you're losing like your best staff. If you can do something to look after them, you're, like, you, it will save you money. And I think it was a London School of Economics. They found that if you, a company is obviously across the board, for 45 million investment into well-being, there was a 225 million return on investment in less than three years. So it might seem like a big outlay initially, but long term, it's going to save a lot of money. And also you'll have like healthy, happy staff and they'll stay with you. Mm. That actually resonates with a, a statistic that's just come out in Dubai, actually. Um, I think it was Harvard Business Review where they've done a study to show that they think in 2023, 50, 56% of the Dubai employee population are going to try and change their, their job next year. Wow. And that's massive, right? So obviously there's a, it's, a, it's a almost dark times we're coming into in 2023, but it's yeah. not affecting people's ability or will to try and change their jobs. And we really should be putting a lot of investment into retaining people. It's 10 mm -hmm. times more expensive to replace someone to keep a good, a good, uh, talented individual. So I think it really resonates with, with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to touch on, you know, in that uh, intro there, you, you mentioned or I mentioned about you uh, that you're becoming a sports and exercise psychologist. Yeah. So how does that play a part into this? Obviously, it's the human mind that we're talking about. How is that intertwined? Well, part of it, um, so the sports side is like the performance side. So what you can do like from a psychological standpoint to improve your performance. So things like goal setting, mental imagery, they're all tools that you can do. Because if you think about it, like in sport and in life, it's obviously our mind, it's on, off, off, sorry again. Um, it is often our mind that holds us back. Like I know that when I'm in the gym sometimes and I'm doing a workout, my body, I give up mentally before my body gives up. It's, you know, and if you can overcome your mind, you are basically unstoppable. <laughs> so that's the, like the sports side of it. And using that to help sort of CEOs, managers to kind of perform better, anything like that, where they need to kind of get a grip on their sort of mindset. And then the exercise side is a lot to do with like behavior change. And so the problem is it's like, and everyone knows that they should exercise or they should eat healthy, they should sleep, but a lot of people don't do it. And I think there was some, I can't remember who said it, but it was, um, you know, it's, we don't need more information. There's, we know we have all the information. It's putting it into practice. And you do also get some people that actually really, really hate exercise. 
and it can become another stress. So the thing that they're trying to do to improve their health and improve their stress levels can just be another one. So it's all about helping people to make change and eliciting it from themselves, aligning it with their values. So if someone, like let's say someone doesn't like exercise, but they know they should, it's making people realize what else that can help them with. So if your value is your family, exercise will give you more energy with, to be with your family. It might stop you, it might prevent, prolong your life so you've got more time with them. Um, you know, if you've got young kids, you can pick them up, you can play on the floor with them. All these things that when you look at what you're getting from it, it's much more than this just kind of concept of, oh, I'm going to feel better. It's like you've got all of this that it can help you with. So that's why I wanted to do that a bit more because I feel like just doing like sort of personal training and classes, it's all very well while you're there, but most of the things happen outside of that time. So you want to help people make change that's going to last and is sustainable so that they can get all the benefits from it. Mm. There's a lot of stigma and a lot of um, noise in, on, on social media around the idea that you know, successful people get up at four or five in the morning and they go straight to the gym and then they go yeah. to the, the office or wherever, whatever they do for, for work. And that's how you become successful. How much truth or what's your opinion on, on that as a, a sort of, uh, you know, a social stigma? I think it very much depends on the individual. <laughs> like, so you've got um, some people are morning people. You've got like the chronotypes of sleep. And so some people will get up, sleep well at night, get up early and go to the gym, like especially men, because you've got, well, you've got cortisol levels are higher in the morning. So you've got that sort of stress hormone getting us going and men's testosterone levels higher in the morning. But then, like, if that suits you, great, that's going to work well. I mean, I'm a morning person. I mean, he was listening to Steve, um, Matthew Walker's sleep podcast the other day, and he was talking about chronotypes, and he was saying, like, you get these extreme early birds. And I was like, I think that's probably me. Like, if I could, like, I would go to bed at seven and get up at four. I don't because I want to actually be able to function in society. But, I mean, I think I probably could do that. But, um <laughs> If I so, but if I was someone who's not is a night owl, and I was trying to get up at like five in the morning, you're just going to be exhausted, and you're not getting everything you need from your sleep, and you're trying to fight against your own, like what your body wants to do. So I think that that's like it. It probably suits some people, and maybe they're vocal about it. But you don't have to do that to be successful. You're much better off doing what suits you and working when you're the most sort of online, when your brain's functioning at the best. And then you'll be more productive in that time rather than if you're getting up early, being exhausted, all your tasks are going to take twice as long. You're not going to be engaged with it. And it's, not, it's just basically it's a bit of a waste of time. So there's no point doing something that doesn't feel natural. Okay. And do you think there's a sweet spot in terms of how much you should exercise during a, during a week to be the most um, successful or active? Well, again, it depends how long you've been training, like how much time you have. I mean, I think like just for, for health, it's, it's quite low. I think it was it's 150 minutes a week. But I mean, like just walking to and from work, you'll get some benefits. Like, I think walking, people don't class walking as exercise, but it actually is. And it's like little things like take, walking up the escalators, walking up the stairs. You can get your exercise in without having to do like a dedicated gym time to get the benefits to your health. Um, I'm, a, I'm a massive advocate of going to the gym because, you know, as you get older, you lose muscle mass and 
you need to you want to maintain that so strength training can really help with like your posture again and also prevent the effects of aging but if you hate exercise and you hate going to the gym doing something that you absolutely hate is not setting you up for success you're going to make excuses and stop going and then see it as a failure so i always think it's much better to do things that you're going to be able to sustain start really small uh, like really really small like if you like just want to start going to the gym they say like just start off by going to the gym not even exercising just go make that into a habit then you can go and do like 10 minutes or even five minutes and then everything's about building up and building the habits so that you can actually do it long term because doing something it's better to do little and often than like once a month or something and they go extreme like a lot of people go like right I'm gonna go and I'll do an hour and then they absolutely die and then they don't get any benefits from it so I think that's a much better way of doing it. <laughs> it sounds absolutely like uh, Atomic Habits by James exactly. Clear, isn't it? It's just building those yeah. habits into your daily routine and just, yeah, it's a great book and just getting towards getting towards your end goal, but, but taking it in really manageable steps. You know, yeah. some people, um, you know, going back to the early morning thing, they they say, right, I need to get up at four o'clock because that's what Jeff Bezos does. Yeah, and no. they get up at four o'clock the next day. And within three days, you know, they're so tired, they can't maintain it. And it's just making those small incremental changes. I think it's so yeah. interesting and important. Um, I'd love to hear some tips, uh, Jenny, for what people can do if they're listening right now, just to just to help their, their sort of wellness. What, what would you advise? Sleep. <laughs> I'm a bit of, like obsessed with sleep. So basically sleep is one of the, like, the foundational things that you can do. If you're not getting enough sleep, everything's like going to be life's going to be harder and also like if you're lack if you're lacking sleep like exercise is a stress so you're putting stress on top of a stressed body so you really want to be well rested you want ever life is hard easier as well like if you're suffering from stress when you're like sleep deprived everything you know you're more anxious like everything just feels like it's harder and i i actually i had quite bad insomnia for like many years so I, it's something that i've had to work on and um, so basically, I think the one thing that people do, um, well, one mistake they make is they don't actually allow themselves enough time to sleep. So if you're going to bed at sort of 12 o'clock and you have to be up at six, then you've only got six hours of sleep opportunity. And that's if you go straight to sleep and sleep through the night with no problem. So you want to allow yourself at least eight hours in your bed. Um, for me, I'm quite strict in that I turn my, my phone goes off, my I don't watch TV after nine. So like all my friends know, like not even to bother contacting me because my phone's gonna be off. It's off in another room. I don't have it in my bedroom. And that's because I know that blue light being stimulated at night really does affect my sleep. So I'll just read a book um, and try and keep like light, everything dim, try and keep everything dark. Because also like having bright lights, overhead lights really bad. It's great in the morning because it actually wakes you up. But in the evening, what you want is to have like lamps, like low level light. It's going to have less of an effect on you. And then I also, so yeah, so light, um, being cold in your bedroom is really important. You want to like have your blood, um, blood your um, body temperature, you want the core body temperature to drop. Um, so having a cool bedroom really helps you sleep if you can well ideally you could have a sauna but I know not when everyone has the luxury of that I sometimes go to the gym just before <laughs> I go to bed just so I can have a sauna but like a hot shower or hot bath can also help and also having a really dark bedroom so like if you've got you know lights outside 
but blackout blinds if you can. I've got a sleep mask because I basically do everything. And, and so those are all the things you can do the night before to set you up for the next day. And so the next day in the morning, having a morning routine can really help. It doesn't have to be a long one. Like it could literally be three minutes. So rather than waking up, getting straight on your phone, which is why I don't like people using their phones as alarm clocks because you're instantly tempted to start scrolling. So if you have like the phone out of the room so you're not tempted, wake up, three minutes, let's say, you can either journal. Um, there's a thing called morning pages that was originally for um, like creative writing or writers, but it actually really helps everyone. So what you do is you have like a notebook or what have you, and you write three pages like doesn't don't think about what you're writing it just kind of comes out and it clears everything out of your brain so you can start and also it'd be quite interesting you can things will come out that you didn't even know you were thinking about so it can be quite a reflective practice uh, or you could do like breathing you could even just sit and have a cup of tea but for quiet for three three minutes just to set you up for the day because I think a lot of people get like their alarm goes off they probably snooze it because they haven't gone to bed early enough you're starting your day in like this stress mode and you haven't got time to sort of frame the day. So if you take that little very short amount of time, set yourself up and then the rest of the day will kind of work, well, it just seems a little bit calmer. Um, I would say also hydration. <laughs> um, I know I've, got, I've had clients in the past mm -hmm. that didn't drink any water, they just drank coffee. And I was just like, oh gosh. So your brain needs water to function. Your body needs water to function. Like if you're someone who's like super stiff, um, like you know, you stretch and you're always really tight, you might find it's actually from a lack of hydration because you've got this fascia, this connective tissue all over the body, and it needs hydration in order to like stretch and function. So water. Um, another thing I would say is your breakfast. Um, if you can, but this is more for productivity as well. But if you can avoid carbs or at least like, you know, high glycemic carbs in the morning, you'll find that you can, your brain will work a lot better. Um, so like ideally, if you can have carbohydrates in the evening because of like the blood sugar, like the blood sugar spike, that's when you get the crash. So if you're having something like a croissant or anything like that for breakfast, like an hour or so in, you're probably going to be really tired, hungry again, and it's not the best thing you, way to start your day. If you're going to have like something like porridge, putting fat and fibre with it will really help to like balance out your blood sugar. So things like nuts, like whole berries, things like that can really help with like having porridge and if you want to have porridge. I mean, if you can, if you're working from home, you might want to have like eggs and avocado and things like that if you can be really bougie. Um, but yeah, so I think like setting yourself with a good morning and a good breakfast to like keep you going for the day. If you make healthy choices early on in the day, I find it's easier to make better choices later on because you start feeling good. If you go straight into having like a croissant for breakfast, like I say, you're going to have this like drop in blood sugar, you're going to feel a bit rubbish, and then you're more likely to snack on like, where well, you're going to have to coffee to keep you going, to bring you up again, to then drop again, and then you're more likely to snack on other bad food, and then it's kind of a, a cascade that just leads into more things. Whereas if you start the day right, it's easier to continue and like you'll feel good, so you want to keep feeling good. I love that. That's uh, really, I, I always try and think of the idea of if you win the morning, you win the day. Absolutely. I really believe in that. Like when my alarm yeah. was up, I tried to get up straight away, you know, yeah. crack on with your day, almost act as if you're, you're late already without being, without missing your important things. Um, I also heard this week, I was speaking to someone who said that if you don't have 
coffee or really caffeine in the first 90 minutes of your day, you can avoid the drop in the afternoon. Is that true? Well, I've heard it. I'm yet to manage to put it into practice because I love my coffee in the morning. And I was just talking to someone this morning, actually. I was like, right, I'm going to start it. I'm going to start it. I've just ordered myself an ice pot. Mm. As you do, and I'm going to put my nice. balcony <laughs> to add to my nutty things that I do. So I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up and I'm going to get in the ice bath and get a massive dopamine hit. Then I won't need the coffee and I'll need the coffee afterwards to warm up. But I'm going to try. That's my next experiment is to do the 90 minutes and see. Because I think I notice for me, I wake up and that's when I'm the most energetic anyway. Then I have coffee because I love it. And then I'm like way up here and I've only got one way to go. And it's just like, and then I definitely get the drop. So yeah, that is my next one to try. Wow. I will try it and then report back. I love it. <laughs> I always experiment yeah, definitely. And you also before. touched there on, yeah, exactly. Before you, before you tell everyone before else. Before I tell That's everyone perfect. else to do it, I'll but tell like, myself. It's interesting to hear about the cold water immersion as well so that's another massive thing isn't it in, in the space yeah. at the moment with Wim Hof and his programs and teaching yeah. so that's something you're, gonna, yeah. you're obviously going to try well I've been doing it actually I've been doing Wim Hof for quite a while now I think about like four years um I first heard him on a podcast and I was like he sounds great he sounds like a bit of a crazy person I was like this sounds incredible <laughs> and so I started just with the breathing because I couldn't quite face the cold showers and so I did breathing I've done the breathing pretty much every morning for like since, yeah about four years and then when the pandemic hit, I was like, right, I'm at home. I'm going to start these cold showers. So I started the cold showers. And I actually like, because I'm a bit of an extremist, I didn't like just ease myself in. I was like, I'm going to have a four minute cold shower every morning. <laughs> I did. Um, and then and then it got, like, I did all of the summer. I did it pretty much every day. And then it got into the winter and I was like, oh, I really don't want to get into a cold shower. So I started doing the hot into the cold. Um, and then... Yeah. And now I do it in the gym because it's actually a better cold shower. And I do the sort the cold shower, sauna, cold shower, which is really nice. But yeah, I wanted to do because all the research has actually been on like immersion. So like baths and things. And I really wanted mm-hmm. to do it. I'm really jealous. My, my parents live down by the sea and my mum actually went in the sea yesterday. And um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. and what was that? It was 6th of, Jan- of December. So well done, her. But um, yeah, so I was like, right, I bought this ice bath. So I've got no excuses now. So I'm going to do two minutes every morning. <laughs> and my neighbours wow, already think of that's it. Impressive. Yeah, that's what I'm, That's my thing. I, won't, I might allow myself one or two days off, but no. Just going to do it first thing in the morning. Wim Hof, jump in. Massive dopamine hit. I'll feel great for the rest of the day. That's amazing. And my uh, my mum's very similar. They live uh, down on the coast in Devon and she's in the sea you know, once once a week or through the year, it's just wow. absolutely crazy. But there is a lot of benefits, and uh, and you know, I have tried it. I'm not consistent enough, but I, I think it's something that I should get back into. I want to touch on um, some tips or any giveaways for someone who's working in an office. So if they're sat at a desk all day, is there is there something that we can we can help them with there? What is something they should be thinking about, or a small exercise they should be doing just to keep them uh, stimulated and healthy throughout the day? Um, yeah, so basically trying to move around um, if you can. I mean, you probably find this a bit difficult in your office, but like if you'd like put a timer on your phone like every hour to get up, you could just like walk to the kitchen, get some water um, or, you know, have a, a cup of tea or what have you um, just to make sure that you're not staying in the same position. Because there's even studies that I know like now these standing desks are like 
more prevalent and people think they're great, but you're still in the same position. Um, so you, if you do have a standing desk, that's great. One that you can go up and down because you can sit for a bit, stand for a bit. You're changing your position. We're not meant to be sedentary. We're meant to be just walking basically the entire time. So they could, yeah, putting like a timer on your phone just to remind you and also making sure that you're not just staring at your screen the entire time. We can only really work in sort of 90 minute cycles. And they say that if you are looking at a screen, if you can, if you could, well, it depends on your office, but look out the window, look at horizon. You're going to have like expand your focus, then you can come back to narrow attention. Um, that's another one. If you can, um, make sure you get out at lunchtime, get some sunlight. Also walking, if you get some sunlight before you go to work, so getting sunlight in the morning, it really helps. So A, it's the dopamine again, which is associated with motivation. Um, so you might be more motivated during the day. And it also regulates your circadian rhythm. So having sunlight in the morning actually helps you sleep at night. Um, so yeah, so trying to get outside, get out for lunch. So many people eat at their desks. So even if you're moving like to the kitchen or, you know, just make sure you're not staying in the same position all day. Um, and then also you could do like a little stretching routine, like just making sure you're sort of moving your upper back. So we, you've got your um, cervical spine is like the first, the first vertebrae of your neck. You've got your thoracic spine is like six, 12 vertebrae in the middle portion. So it's like the bottom of your neck to the lower ribs. And then you've got your lumbar spine, so your lower back. And the problem is like when people sit all day, they get really stiff through the thoracic spine. And when you're stiff here, its main purpose is to rotate. If you're not getting the rotation from here, your body will compensate and get it from elsewhere. And that's when people kind of get lower back problems, neck problems. So doing things like sink your desk, doing some twists and things like that is really good for you. And uh, yeah, so generally just moving throughout the day and making sure you have um, a healthy lunch with you. Again, trying to avoid sort of processed carbs, sugars, that will really help you not have the afternoon slump. Because it's like, you know, you look, think most people have like a sandwich and a packet of crisps and that's their sort of lunch. But that is just going to make you crash massively in the afternoon. So you'll crash, you'll get really like, you'll probably go for either chocolate sweets, maybe another coffee. Um, also having caffeine too late in the day can really affect your sleep. I've got so many rules for myself, but I, like, I have a 12 o'clock rule. No caffeine after 12. Um, but like, yeah, it's basically, it's got a, a five hour half life. That means that you've still got half of it in five hours in your system. So you really, if you want to get good sleep, you need to think about it in the day. With all these things, it's like, start. you have to think about them quite early on for the, the impact later. But once you kind of, like we said before, atomic habits, once you get the habit of doing these things, don't try and change everything at once. <laughs> Work on one and then build it from there. Um, maybe just think about what's the most important thing or the easiest thing for you to start with. Change that. Wait for a few weeks until it's become cemented and then build from there rather than trying to overhaul your entire life at once, which you're setting yourself up for failure. Those are some brilliant tips and some things that people can do literally straight away. Today, people can, can make changes based on that. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, I want to touch on, you know, you seem like someone who's, who's put a lot of effort into this. I know you've put a lot of effort into the ideas and the tips and the, the thoughts that you're giving out here. I want to hear about your own tips for productivity. So, you know, when you're running your business, how do you keep yourself productive? What are the tips and tricks you have there for yourself? Um, well, it depends on what I'm doing, but I do, I've tried to 
make sure that I do work that's going to take like a lot of um, cognitive power early in the day because like I said I'm a morning person like my brain is the most switched on first thing in the day other other people are different so if I know I've got a task that does require like a lot of focus then I will schedule it and do it early and I won't allow myself to go to the gym until afterwards because I mean it's my for me like I love the gym but sometimes if I go to the gym and I do a workout then I'll come back and like obviously your, your prefrontal cortex uses so much energy, but I've used all my energy on my workout. So I've been trying to be really strict about, right, work first, then exercise. Um, I obviously do my morning routine every morning. Um, so I do all like my Wim Hof and like um, red light. I've started meditating for five minutes because that's all I can manage. Um, but I think the main thing is for small tasks that I'm just procrastinating on and I can't be bothered, I'll do the Pomodoro technique and that is the so you have a timer for 20 to 25 minutes and you're not you have to turn everything off in that time and then you have like five ten minute well five minute break and then you can when you can do what have you and then you do like four rounds of that and so for low level tasks that you don't need to like get into the sort of flow of that works really well. But if it is something like that does take a lot of brain power, it takes like sort of 10, 15 minutes to get into it. So you don't want to be breaking that up by stopping every 25 minutes when you've basically just got into it. But there was actually something that I read from, I think it was Tim Ferriss. And so you've got like the 80-20 rule. So 80% mm. of your success will come from 20% of work. You've probably heard of that. So yeah, he came, he came up with a way of kind of prioritizing what you should be doing. And he said, think about three to five things that you are putting off <laughs> and maybe moving from your to-do list each day. And he said, like, normally these are the things that make us feel anxious or uncomfortable and or things that are making you feel anxious or uncomfortable. And it's normally like your brain is actually always trying to protect you. Like things like procrastination, everything has a reason. We don't just do things for no reason. It's, it's serving a purpose. And so you're probably putting these tasks off to protect yourself when actually the only way to really tackle it is to just do it. So, so, you, first, so you get your tasks that make you feel uncomfortable, write them down, and then you, just going through the list, it said, like, if, you were, if this is the only thing you're going to do today, would you be happy with what you've achieved? And would this task Make, take me either get rid of some of the other tasks or take me closer to where I want to be and then you kind of out of that you get a very small amount you'll have like one or two tasks and then just picking one so that do one thing you know so you, and then scheduling two to three hours when you don't have anything else that's going to interrupt you and then just sitting down and doing it and then very much turning everything off. So phone off out of the room, because they did a study where people had it on silent on the desk and they had like phantom phone ringing or phantom phone sounds. So people actually thought they pick it up thinking it went off, even though it's on silent and it hadn't because they just associate it. So yeah, you wanna put your phone another room out of, out of sight, out of mind, turn off the notifications on your laptop if you can, and then just really focus on it. And then just, because once also, once you start, you do find, you know, you get into that kind of, into the groove, like it does take 10, 15 minutes. So trying to just persevere. And then also when you do like get that kind of, oh, I can't be bothered, I don't want to do it. Like just, there's um, a, a 
thing I did recently. It's called acceptance commitment therapy. And it's basically like accepting those feelings and willing to sit with them. So it's like rather than just being like, oh, I can't be bothered. You can actually take a little bit of time and think like, where's this coming from? What really like and then just sitting with it for a bit and then letting it pass and then cracking on rather than allowing yourself to just give up and go and do something else. So it's just like really being strict with yourself to stay there until it's done. But just do one thing. I think it's especially when you've got a lot to do, it's overwhelm often leads to procrastination because you've got so much to do you don't know where to start you don't know what to do first so you end up i'll just do nothing and it's like that's such a classic way of like being so it's just one thing is probably the biggest thing of, of all so literally pausing to perform is the, is the best <laughs> advice there yes <laughs> yes that's perfect i, I want to go back um and ask you about the change you made to go from the corporate life to becoming a founder. So you talked about where you found your, your pain points, you know, working as a, an EA, um, where you saw people making these life cho choices of, you know, putting the work first and the, yeah. them, themselves second. At what point did you say, right, I'm now going to make a change. I'm going to, I'm going to make a stand and branch out on my own in order to solve this problem for everyone else. I think well I'd already moved into like the personal training world and then I kept on like seeing all my clients like were like working in these stressful jobs I had a lot of corporate like clients and I was just thinking to myself like their companies are just, just they're destroying their health for short-term wealth and I I worked in this um, law firm and one of the people that came to my classes she would message me at like two or three in the morning, like only just going home. So she'd be like, oh, I'm not coming tomorrow. And I just thought, wow, this is so bad for your health. Like you're getting no sleep. And I just realized that like they need, to, they need more and like someone needs to go out there and provide it because it's something that I'm so passionate about. And so it was, it was like kind of a natural progression. It wasn't a big jump. It was like, right, this needs to be solved. I want to provide it. I've done, I'll make my, put my imposter syndrome to like good use. I've done all these courses. I've done all these qualifications. Like I, I can bring it out to other people and help them. So that was kind of where it all came about really. Oh, amazing. And then you're no longer an imposter. You actually have everything to back you up and, and, a, and a proper company to show for it as well. That's exactly. awesome. And I'd like to touch there on, on the idea that we're, we're really big on, which is that your environment dictates your performance. So, you know, when you're, when you're working, how do you like your environment around you to be? Do you feel like you work better when it's, you know, tidy and less cluttered oh, yeah. or you, do you need certain things in place? How do you feel? Um, oh, absolutely tidy. But like, I think cleaning can be a form of procrastination. <laughs> I remember when I was at uni and I was doing my like finals <laughs> and I, we suddenly like every drawer suddenly has to be cleaned up. But no, it has to be, um, for me, I quite like, being in the same spot because it's um, you can do um, like sort of a mental warm up. Um, a lot of you know you do a physical warm up. We don't do a mental warm up, and I've tried this a few times, particularly when I was doing like my final dissertation, is to like do like so you do a little bit of exercise first, like nothing that's going to tire you out. Like it could be like twenty squats or a couple of like some jumping jacks or something, and then listening to binaural beats which can help you get into like a focused state for just 10 minutes and if you do that kind of every time you're starting a bout of work you're you're kind of already setting that frame that like you're oh this is what we're going to go into into that state we're in work state 
Um, yeah, definitely tidy. Um, I quite like some noise in the background, but I found apparently listening to like um, classical music is meant to be really good for focus. So I started doing that when I was doing my dissertation as well. I just put puts little bark on, bark on, is that how you say it? Yes. Mozart, anything like that. And um, just have that on because it like, doesn't really distract you and apparently it helps with focus. Um, and yeah and then i've got quite a lot of plants around because i like a bit of nature inside so <laughs> making sure i've got that and yeah i think that's the main ones for me but sometimes i have to get out of the house like i know that i'm just gonna not be able to focus and i find like going to a coffee shop or you know one of these shared workplaces really helps because also once you've traveled somewhere you're like well i've got here now i might as well do something Whereas if you're at home, it's too easy to get distracted because you just, oh, I'll just put a wash on or I'll just do this. And so something just getting out of your home environment can be really important, which I'm sure you'd probably agree with. I mean, absolutely. And it's very apt at the moment to talk about this topic because we're obviously two years post COVID now and we're talking about, or we're seeing this uh, return to the office, the office space, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Which is where I think a lot of this wellness um, you know, both in the physical and uh, the intangible uh, part of the office is coming from because people got used to working from home. They're used to having, you know, their, their, their setup. And actually the office space now needs to reflect the future of the workspace. And that incorporates corporate wellness and, and yeah. a different office layout and different office experiences. Um, so I think it's really interesting. And yeah, I absolutely agree that, you know, I, I certainly need change to be able to be my most productive. I can't just... Mm sit in the same place all day um but yeah i have similar things that i like so i like it to be nice and clean i'm not that good with with background noise so if i went to a cafe which i like to do i'd rather have headphones in and really low level music just to block out um mm. the noise i'm quite yeah i quite like it I quite like to work like that um you know i know people that work with absolutely blaring dance music that's how they can focus the most so yeah it's, it's, it's interesting how people react to different workspaces um i want to move quickly on to some recommendations from you. So I'd love to know or to hear a book recommendation that you have for, uh, for people listening. Well, I was going to say Atomic Habits because I do really like that book. Um, Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep, Great although book. it will make you really obsessed with sleep. Um, those are the two off the top of my head, but there's so many. Also, um, Lifespan by David Sinclair. That's all about longevity because um, I'm all about like trying to age as well <laughs> as you can. That's a good one. Um, I often find that I quite like listening to those kind of books as an audio book as I go to sleep because um, it's educational. It holds my attention, but and it helps, but it's not too much, so I can't sleep. So I just have that on and I listen to a bit before I go to sleep, which really helps. Or you can listen to it as you're wandering around. But yeah, those those three for now. There's a lot more, but yeah, I'll stick with those ones. Yeah, well, that's really interesting as well. So I've, I almost did the opposite. So I found that when I was listening to audio books or, or reading before bed, I, I couldn't then switch off. I had too many you know, thoughts and ideas. So actually the first thing I do in the morning is go for a walk and listen to an audio book because yes. that's when I feel like it can stimulate me. I'm going to talk or interact with anyone. I can get my little bit of exercise in before the gym later yeah. in the day and, and I can really take it in then, which I think is, it's yeah. everyone each to their own, isn't it? You've got to, you really have to understand yourself. You know, we can yeah. help as much as possible, but you have to understand yourself. That's really cool. That's, they're really great books. Um, the next one I have for you is how often do you learn something new? How often do you go, go out and actively try and learn something new? It could be anything. It could be a sport. It could be a new recipe, literally anything. It's just interesting to hear, you know, how people, how people um, try to learn things new. 
um, every day. <laughs> um, I would say like knowledge is one of like every my day. key values. Every single day, I like I listen to a podcast or I'll learn like a move. I'll yeah, every day it's like one of my favorite things. Okay, that's perfect. And then do you, do you try to implement what you've learned, or is it just something that you like to store? And you know, it's just like a an extra bit of information you therefore have to grow yourself. Depends what it is. Um, some things, oh yeah, I'll implement myself, or some things aren't relevant, but it's just interesting to know that I might need in the future. Um, sometimes I'll like try and learn new drills for like the gym and stuff like that. A lot of time it will be around health and longevity, like little tricks that I want. I will usually give it a go. Always up for experimenting and seeing what works. But yeah, no, most of the time I'll listen to stuff that I think I can actually use. <laughs> Or teach someone else. Amazing. Um, and how often do you change or adapt your environment to suit your needs? I mean, you mentioned there that you like to go out and about and change your environment, but how often do you adapt it? How often would you make little incremental changes that you think would then benefit you, you more? Um, probably not as much as I should. I was thinking this. Um, I mean, I keep on buying plants and every time I get a new one, I'm like, oh, it's so nice. <laughs> um, but I think um, it's difficult when you haven't got that much space to move things when it's already kind of in the most optimized position. I tried to move the, my mm. bedroom around, but it just didn't work. So I was like, no, but I think like, um, even like things like just changing your bedding is really nice, you know, like having a new duvet and stuff like that. So I, I'll probably add like little things, but not as much as I could. So it might be something that I look to do a little bit more. There you go. Well, I could flip that around <laughs> and say how often do you audit the things you have to see if they're, to see if they're useful. That's another thing that, you know, we're big advocates of, which is just auditing, seeing if you need everything. So yeah, that's another option, right? Yeah, because having a clear out is so- but The last one I've got here, that... <laughs> it's absolutely, isn't it? And it's a massive thing at the minute. There's a lot of um, social media pages around, you know, uh, minimalism and, and feng shui, but also just decluttering. It's a massive thing because actually people like to hold on to trinkets and memories, don't they? But yeah, it's interesting to see how it can clog up your, your mind and cause that mental yeah. haze. And the last one I've got here for you is a quote that inspires you. Some people have them, some people don't. Do you have a quote that you, you think about or reflect on? Yeah, I think it's, um, uh, remember how far you've come, not how far you have to go. Um, you are not where you want to, to be, but you, neither are you where you used to be. Because I think it's very easy to like discount your journey. like. And everything you've done, you, because you've done it, it just seems natural. You forget that you've done it. Whereas if you look back at like yourself, like a year ago, maybe even five years ago, you've grown so much, and you're probably never going to get to exactly where you want to be because there'll be another thing. But like, yeah, just to give yourself, be proud of your achievements, and yeah, give yourself some credit for what you have done. That'd be my one. That's that's amazing. That one, that, and you know, I think Christmas is a great time for that because it's something that we do. Is certainly is to look back at the year and what you've achieved. And we also, for the yeah. last few years, um, we've written a line a day. There's a book called Line a Day, and you just write down what you did that day. And obviously, now it's compounded over five years. When you write your your line, you then look back. What did I do a year ago? Two years ago? Three years ago? And it is actually amazing to to see your your change and your success and see things that were massive to you three years ago which now seem insignificant. It just, yeah. just tracks your growth, doesn't it? It's so interesting. Yeah. One of the questions I always ask uh, Jenny is, if you had a full free day, how would you spend it? Gosh, 
probably how I spend most of my days. <laughs> probably do the same things, really. Um, I get up, do my morning routine, go to the gym. Um, no, I would like to probably go, like, if I had time to arrange it, like, to do, like, a day trip with friends. Like, if I'd like to do, right now, I'd like to go down to where my parents live and go for a really nice long walk on the beach um, in the sun because it's actually quite nice and get some fresh air, country air, and then maybe go to, like, a pub for a big country lunch pub lunch and then that, that's it really yeah but i'm sure if i was somewhere hot i would do much more exciting things scuba diving would be nice but <laughs> very active i knew it would be active that's that's perfect that's really uh, really nice um and the last question i have for you is do you have an ask from the audience you know something that they can they can do they can think about maybe something to reflect on um i would like to know if well what out of what I've spoken about today, is there anything that they are going to change or try off the back of it? That's a great question. That's something that hopefully <laughs> people can leave uh, in the comments below, wherever you are, Instagram, uh, Facebook, or on uh, your chosen podcast platform. That's a great question. Yeah. Jenny, it's been fabulous having you on. Thank you so much for your time and all the best for 2023. Thank you. You too. <laughs>